My guest today started out his professional life as a consultant with Capgemini before starting his own successful technology company, which he eventually sold to Intensia in 1999. Since then, he has served in numerous leadership positions, such as CIO, CEO, and COO for some of the world's most admired and respected companies. He currently serves as Executive Vice President at Oracle. Cormac Waters, you're very welcome to the podcast. Hey, Paul, good morning or good day. We don't know what time this is at, but good morning anyway. <laughs> That's one of, the, one of the challenges when you're working all over the place. Sometimes you yes. lose track of, yeah. I, I remember coming into Dublin Airport once at uh, Passport Control and the guy said to me, where are you coming from? And I looked at him and going, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know that yeah. feeling, you're so tired. Anyway, Cormac, I want to talk to you uh, about your, your story. And it's been a remarkable journey to all intents and purposes. Tell me about where it started, where you grew up, what that was like. Yeah, wow, well, it's, it's, it, I, I, thank you for saying it's remarkable. In my mind, it's, it's actually quite normal. Um, so I grew up um, not too far uh, in a, when, when Clonsilla was a tiny village, um, and now it's a massive part of the Blanchardstown sort of suburban area. So we grew up in Clonsilla, um, went to school in Coolmine Community School, uh, I'm the eldest of six, so the day I turned four, my mom sent me to school. So uh, I went. I'm a year. I was a year younger than everybody else because I went in January. So I did my leaving at sixteen, um, wow. and lucky enough, um, they said I had an aptitude for computer programming. We didn't have any computers in the school, right? So um, I went along to Manpower as it was back in the day. If you remember Anco and Manpower, I, I said, uh, "What do you, what do you want to be?" I said, uh, a "Computer programmer." <laughs> <laughs> and the guy laughed at me and said, okay, um, there's a company called IBM who take on four kids a year. Um, why don't you go down there? And I went down and there was literally hundreds of people in this big hall doing aptitude tests. I was lucky enough to get picked. Spent a year with them doing, they're, IBM are brilliant. They, they took on actually six kids. Because um, I wasn't, go, I, I had no intention to go to university, despite my mother's pleading with me. But I, was, I wanted to go get a job. Uh, so they took me on and did all the great, great year of training with them and then joined a company that eventually got bought by Capgemini as, in, as a computer programmer, which evolved into package software consulting. And I did my degree at night. I went to DCU at night, actually. Um, my mother insisted. Um, but <laughs> so which I, I'm forever grateful for, I'll be honest. Um, and spent 10 years there. Um, and... Then there were three principal consultants in Ireland at the time, myself, Stephen, and Tony. Um, Stephen said to me, we should do our own thing. Um, and we got an agency for an ERP product from, from a company called Intensia. And we created a little company uh, in Ballymount um, selling and installing ERP. I mean, we put it into Cuisine de France and places like that, which was really, uh, at the time, they were really on the up. If you remember back in the day, they were just announced the breakfast roll and it was all, every convenience store had them and it was fantastic. Yeah. Learned tons doing that. Um, the, the parent companies that were bought us out um, and part of that was I had to stay with them. Uh, so uh, I actually stayed for five years and um, ran some companies across Europe, um, which was great. And then wanted to come back and be a CIO because I always wanted to figure out that do companies actually get the value from the stuff we sell and install? Or is it just because ERP has a bad name, actually, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, 
so actually the parent of Cuisine de France, um, which was IAWS or which came or became Arista. Um, we had a dinner in, in France of all places with the top 20 customers and they said they're looking for a CIO. And I remember sitting at the table analyzing the other 20 customers with, with Patrick saying, these, these would be good guys, they're good guys. You know? And he goes, after about an hour, he says, no, you missed the point. Like, would you do it? And uh, I said, oh, okay. And I said, yes. And so I did that. And then um, we, they, they were very acquisitive. They bought companies all over the world, actually. Great company. Um, so I did projects in San Francisco, Chicago, Warsaw, uh, Dublin, um, London. Birmingham, uh, all these things, um, and but I wanted to go back into my own company again. So I wanted to set up another business. So um, I kept saying I was going to leave, and they kept saying, "Sure, you know, but do one more before you go." I said, "Okay, all right." And so eventually, I said, "Oh, I'm definitely leaving." Like uh, my it was there. There were such good people from the first time I said I was leaving till when I actually left was eleven months, right? Because they kept saying, "Do something more." So when I went and told them I was definitely going, the only way I could do was to publicly say it, start telling other people. <laughs> and then um, actually Greencore uh, called when they heard and said, we're about to merge uh, with some other uh, United Foods. Would you be interested to manage that? And I said, well, that's very cool. It's very different. Um, so I said, okay, I'll put my own company on hold again. Uh, after a few months, that fell through. And then they said, well, can you go look at some other acquisitions for us in America, which I did and so on. Um, and at the end of the day, they fell through as well. But the company we, we were looking at buying in America um, asked me, would I come and run it? Because they, I, I spent so much time investigating it. It's a stupid story, right? <laughs> so uh, I went over and ran a food company in Chicago. My wife is from Chicago. Um, so uh, we thought that'd be cool. Uh, so we were mashed potato experts, actually. Uh, literally, they sold $200 million of mashed potato a year, right? A, a lot of mashed potato. Um, did that for about a year and then uh, wanted to get back into software and so on. So um, one of my colleagues at Intensia was the president of SAP uh, for EMEA, Frank. Frank would call every Christmas and literally uh, say, when are you going to come back and do a real job? And every Christmas I would laugh at him and say, I, ha I have a real job. And then he rang one, one year and he said, will you come and run SAP UK and Ireland? And I said, oh yeah, that sounds cool. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested in that. So uh, 2014, I think that was, I went and I did that for three years. Um, and then to uh, back to, actually back to the company that bought Intensia, uh, Infor, uh, for, for four years. And then Oracle, uh, Larry Ellison actually uh, had a conversation with him, which was really quite scary and quite interesting. So here I am. Sorry, yeah, a I, long minded conversation. No, and, and, and there's a common thread to it as well. There's a, there's, the people who are coming looking for you, you've worked with them in the past. There's there's a number of circles like the, the Cuisine de France, and then you went on to work for Aritza, which is the same mm -hmm. company, right? And then Intensia, and you mentioned Infor. So yep. there seems to be a, a place where when you leave companies, that mm -hmm. they're obviously in a great place. And yeah. that it's, it's only a chapter. And no, that there's more no, of a story I, to be finished. I, I always, I hate the idea of being the person that moves around so much. But the older I get, I realize that actually that's probably a natural way of the world these days. So I'd spent basically 10 years at Capgemini, 10 years with the Intensia, either as my own company or with them, about eight years as a CIO in various Irish companies. And then now it's eight years in, yeah. let's say, big scale European. But it's always been, 
I've never had to go look. They've always called. And it's always been that, that sense of looking for it. Um, mm. I, I make a joke sometimes, and this, is, this will sound strange, but uh, I make a very good second impression. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, when, when, when you get past all of the nonsense at the first bit, then you get to know people. Then um, we don't, I've been lucky enough that most, well, I've been looking at everywhere I've been, we've left things in a good state. So um, you mentioned the airports. You know, the way I'd hate to have to walk through an airport and be embarrassed to see someone coming the other direction and try to avoid them. So uh, that's, that hasn't been my, my story. So I'm, I'm lucky in I that like regard. That. I like that. <laughs> tell, tell me, uh, what motivates you most? Um, do you know what? I was actually considering that from a different question. Uh, my kids, and I know uh, your kids are, are of a similar vintage, right? Mm. Um, they're all on LinkedIn now. Right. And they're now connecting to me, which is the weirdest thing. Right. So, you know, this, go, this dynamic. So you, you're going from driving them to the football game or the Gaelic or the hurling to, yeah. you know, to suddenly this. Yeah. And one of them asked me that. And I kind of have to think about it because you can't give them a, a, a BS answer. It's got to be authentic for them. And I said, actually, what motivates me is I like it when there's a sense of purpose or a sense of um, you're trying to achieve something. So with SAP UK and Ireland, it was actually the Irish guy running a big company in the UK for me in my mind um, for Infor it was to try to recapture the glory of Intensia uh, and try to get them onto a solid footing and um, so it's always some kind of a mission thing like that so um, that that's the main thing uh, and, and then you, you when you achieve it you, which you never quite get there right you, but you get on the road to it, it it's a great sense of achievement actually so is it is, is it the same kind of thing that inspires mountain climbers it's the climb it's the I goal, it and then once you get there, it's where's the next peak? You know, I think it's exactly that. It, it's, um, you know, yeah, that that was great. But gosh, look at, you know, I, I had no idea the next level existed, right? And you go, my God, yeah. what did you do next, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so tell me then, who uh, who who inspires you? Um, uh, well, okay, genuinely, a couple of people... <laughs> From a business perspective, actually, this guy, Frank Cohen, um, who's, who was the former president of SAP EMEA and global president of their uh, S4HANA thing, um, he's an impressive man. I like him a lot. Um, uh, he, he, he gets involved in the detail as well as the strategy stuff, so he can just as easily talk to you about a, a particular customer, transaction, deal, project, as well as what we should be doing. So he, he, he's always been there. Um, this is going to sound really weird. My mother. Um, she brought up six kids by herself in Ireland back in the 80s when it was not as affluent as it is now. Um, she's a tough but lovely lady. Uh, so it's great to see what her, her work ethic was just something that you can't help but, but uh, understand and try to follow. Um, and then um, actually uh, the kids. <laughs> Because they are of a different age now. So our, my daughter, Jen, is Jenny's now 30. And uh, she just, she's just got offered amazingly a big job. And you kind of go, wow, isn't that cool? Rob is living in London, um, working in, in software uh, and selling. And Declan's playing soccer over in American college. So they're, they're kind of inspiring folks too. Mm. I, I would have been surprised had you not said your mother from what you said earlier in terms of the, the injunctions at various parts of your early life in terms of go to college, uh, you know, knuckle down. Uh, what would you say are her, the traits you admire most in her that you've inherited? Um, 
she, she always said that you never let it be, never let where you're from be a disadvantage, as it were, right? So, and the practical example, when we were kids, Clancilla literally was literally back up beyond. There was one bus a day into town. Uh, so she said, you never tell anyone that you're from there. If anyone asks where you're from, you say you're, you're from Castle Lock. Um, right and it's like yeah. so it's this kind of good and bad you don't have you shouldn't fake stuff but there's like she so she would be adamant that you know you're as good as anyone else right yeah. if if you work ha harder than anybody else mm. was the second part of the sentence so uh, mm. no entitlement here you've got to be mm. hard working so things like uh, being on time um uh, preparing um having she didn't put in these words until lately but having the right body language like I, as it happens i'm a big i'm a tall fella i'm six foot four or something so okay. if i walk in grumpy the room kind of gets it and mm. she would always tell me you have the power to control everyone else's humor so you have a responsibility to walk in with a smile mm. that kind of stuff is cool right <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the work on birth order and how your place in the family can affect your personality and drive. No, actually, yeah. Um, it's, it's a fascinating, I'm trying to remember, it won't come to me right now, the guy who wrote the book on birth order, but it's fascinating, for example, uh, like 23 out of 24 uh, Apollo astronauts were eldest children. Oh, and ooh. the majority, <laughs> and this is obviously oh, an American book, majority yeah, yeah. of American presidents, eldest children. Yeah the majority of actors in Hollywood are, are youngest children because they get all the attention and they, they act up where the eldest children tend to have a lot of responsibility put on them. And I was just wondering when you said eldest child in a family of six, mm -hmm. I would imagine also there was responsibility put on you as a younger age, you know, look after your younger brothers and sisters. Normal that, stuff. That does, that, does, yeah. yeah, normal stuff for eldest children. But if you're yeah. a middle child, very often you get um, passed over in these things and the youngest <laughs> child sure look <laughs> everybody loves me and I'm wondering how much that might have um, played into your success as a leader as well that a lot of the leadership might have come from those early years and I, I heard it from your mother yeah definitely my mom my mom was like that it's um yeah there's like you have to be self-reliant you you know so I went I told you I went to IBM for that interview when I was 16 um, it was in a place called Mespel Road in Dublin, right? So I'd never been to Mespel Road in Dublin, like, you know, so it was basically three buses actually to get there, right? One to the North Circular Road, get off, get the number 10 across, and da, da, da. Um, like 16 year olds, this was like, you know, but there was never a hint that my mother was gonna bring me or something. Like that was never mm -hmm. gonna happen. Like, you know, it's, you, you, you're, you're gonna go figure it out. Um, now she, she'd check with you to make sure you, you had the answer, but it was up to you to figure it out, like, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that stuff, whereas the younger kids would be, uh, we'd, be we'd all drive them around. <laughs> yeah, right. for sure. Uh, I'm curious to know how important you founding your own business and running your own business, I think you said it for six years, how important that was in determining your career trajectory afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, hugely actually. Um, it it generates a sense of needed confidence that because you you have this doubt that you can or you can't, and I I would be I'd have a lot of doubt about whether you could ever do stuff. So um, doing it actually proved that you could. Um, mm. Once you started, then you you had to get it done, and that was, so there was a relentlessness to it, but utterly enjoyable. Um, mm. uh, I loved it. So yeah. 
Um, it, it's when I'm now working at a place like Oracle, so it's quite a large organization and so on. The two topics that are interesting to the customer or to the teams that work with me now are, oh, you had your own company. And I was like, and I say, yeah, it was huge. It was 25 people. And they go, oh, and I go, trust me, when you're working with 25 people intimately, it's it's very big. That's really interesting to everybody. And then when you're a, mm. then in our business, you're a CIO. So you've actually bought the stuff we're trying to sell. Mm. And they kind of go, well, what did you do? How did that, how did that go? What did you talk about when we left the room? <laughs> and so those experiences, that's why. So to me, my career thingy makes absolute sense in my own head. But to others who look at it, they kind of go, how did you go from a small comp- big, big company to a small company to a CIO and then to a big company? What? And, but to me, it was I needed to understand, could we make value out of these things and improve it and then come back and then you know, a better sense of able to explain it to the next customer. That's interesting because to me, that sounds like the, the, the task, the goal, the attraction of that is, is more important to you than any, say, a, a title on a business card, for example. Completely. Um, yeah. And I would also imagine that taking a company from from one to twenty five employees is infinitely more difficult in terms of challenge than it is going from a thousand to a hundred thousand. Oh, listen, um, I can yes, definitely, because you're recruiting them as and you're talking to them, and it's it's them, and then you know their families and stuff. Oh. So you're saying we're going to be successful. Leave that job and come work with us and have faith. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a burden, a, a wonderful burden. I do it again in a heartbeat, right? But um, but it was uh, very very hard work. But they're they're actually all our closest friends, um, at yeah. this point still, right? They're the ones that you've been in the trenches with together, like you know. That's it. What are you most proud of? Uh, From a work perspective, um, I I I I am quite proud that uh. We, 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 I'm based in Dublin because of the pandemic. So I've been living here, obviously, but this is great. I love the fact that we can, I can sit on the executive calls with Oracle. Uh, so Larry Ellison, Safra Katz and the other, whatever, 10, 15 of the executive. And I'm from Dublin. <laughs> We're from Ireland. We're playing our part, right? That's cool. That's very cool. Um, I think the folks that have worked with me over the years and um, to see them all really develop and the different things they've gone on to do is, is amazing. I mean, there's some of them are doing brilliant jobs um, and that's, that's, that's very good. I, I, even yesterday, so my own son, Rob, who, who is from Retote and so on, as, as uh, you may, may understand, um, he's in sales now and he's trying to set up a business or set up a net new name function in his small company and so on. And I could call the guy that was the best net new name guy that I worked with in, in at SAP. And James picked up the phone in a heartbeat and said, gosh, yeah, oh, yeah. is Rob at that age? Love to talk to him. And isn't that just cool, right? That's just, yeah. that's such a nice way to be. For sure. When you look back, Cormac, is there an inflection point in your career where things just took off? There was something happened that you can point to and said, that was the moment mattered yeah. most so yeah yeah actually in my mind yeah there's um i i i, I was in loving the cio and coo job because we're getting very intimate the details and of, of an operating business and company the courage to say yes to the sap job 
was the moment for me because I, 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 had, I felt bad in leaving DCC where I was because they are like one of Ireland's best companies, no question. And best, nicest bunch of people, by the way, ever. Mm. Um, but I knew that where I was going to was something that would be both a challenge, but if I could make it work, it would be a huge stepping stone for me. Um, so that, that was the, the inflection point. And then again, once you're there, it was make sure this works. <laughs> what do you do to make sure you, it works? Like, you know, so that, that was the one that, that had more of an impact on where I get to be now than anything else. You said something a few minutes ago, which might surprise some people. You talk about having doubt. Mm. And I'm curious to know how much that actually becomes a catalyst for success, a catalyst for fueling action, rather than allowing, as some people might allow doubt to, to hold them back. How yeah. do you use it? Yeah, it, it, it's, I, it doesn't, I don't let it, it, it clearly holds you back a little bit, but I don't let it because it forces me to be, be better prepared. So um, uh, I, I, I always assume that I, I could do more. I should be better. And I worry if I'm doing enough for, uh, for everybody and the team and so on. So um, uh, I think it's important that you don't ever get complacent to think, ah, I can just rock up to something and it'll be fine. Because that, that's not the way I feel. So there's a great expression, and I don't know who wrote it, but the 10... 10 things that require no talent, you know, which is, uh, it's one of those things that's on the internet that um, I look at. So, you know, being on time, having work ethic, you know, being prepared, body language, energy, that stuff means a lot to me. So what can I do outside of my specialization, as it were, to make sure I'm the best me for everybody else? Um, and it's that fear too, that maybe I'm not good enough, right? And um, it's a funny, ah, maybe it's not funny, but when you're younger, I, I always said, um, I'll never have a BMW until I'm pretty damn sure no one can take it off me. Right? <laughs> Which is probably a stupid mindset, right? But, um, yeah. It would have been the embarrassment of having it and not having it would have been shocking rather than the glory of having it. <laughs> no, I understand that. I actually had one once and my business got into so much difficulty that I couldn't afford to tax or insure it, but I couldn't hand it back because I couldn't afford to break the lease either. So I understand that. You know what I mean, right? So, so that, 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 that's, that's a huge driver for folks. And I, I wonder, yeah. do, do, the, do the younger generation today have that sense as well? I, I don't know. I, I hope they do. I'm sure they do. I mean, they must be as driven as we were, right? Yeah. But, it, but that, that's the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing about life, I think, that life, life doesn't care and life will knock the edges of anybody. So yeah, Absolutely. Um, the world yeah. is not a fair place, like, you know. Nope, sure isn't. Tell me, when you eventually hang up your boots, uh, what would you like to do with your life? What would you do with your time? Um, I, I've always said I'd love to go and lecture in university. Now, I, um, I don't have a master's degree, so I'm not qualified to do that. So I'd have to do, get that sorted out. Um, I, I do love the fact that I've learned lots of things. If I, could, if I could distill it into something coherent that I could explain to somebody else, that'd be brilliant, right? Uh, so that, that's something I'd like to do. Um, and then, um, uh, yes, non-work things. Um, I love football and sports. I'd love to get properly involved in coaching, actually. Uh, and particularly when our own, my own kids aren't involved. So then that, that'd be much easier. He could be dispassionate in some respects. <laughs> so, um, yeah. They're the things I would, I, would, I, would, I would aspire to achieve one day. And 
In terms of, do you have time for hobbies these days? What, no, what do you do to unwind no, relax? So, so Tracy, uh, my wife um, and I, so we, we try to keep fit. So we, we actually go jogging together, right? So, uh, but now, I, as, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm quite tall. She's literally half my size. So I look like her minder, you know, on the on the road. <laughs> so, uh, the, we should, she's American, so we, we run in a couple of these 10Ks over there, and there's a category oh, I could put into the Clydesdale category, right? So she, she's, she, she's not. No, I'm, I'm a Clydesdale. I think that's kind of bad, but it sometimes feels good. So um, from a hobby perspective, we, we try to do that together. But mainly the hobbies are how can we make sure we spend the right time together so we go for long walks and um, mm. we, we we live in malahide now so we'd stop off and have a cup of tea on the way back those 20 minutes are, yes. are, are it that's that's the best way uh, the kids yeah. have all moved out now so we have that time together okay two quick questions before i let you go comic um I ask every every podcast guest this question, which is the kind of the desert island question. If your house were burning down and your your wife is safe, if you have any pets, they're safe. And of course, your 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 phone and your laptop, they're safe too. <laughs> but but you have time to run back in to grab one thing to save from the fire. What would it be? Oof, that's a really good question, isn't it? Uh, what would I go back in and get? Um, I actually think it would probably be our wedding album. To be honest, because there's some great photos of the families of the yeah. end, you know, so I, I think I could. Please, please tell me, as a former CIO, a technical person, you have those photographs backed up. Please tell me that. <laughs> so at, on home, the cloud. at, at home, uh, Tracy is the tech guru. <laughs> so yes, okay. she has all that stuff sorted out, right? <laughs> good, good, good stuff. Um, and then final question. When your time on this planet is done and they erect a statue in your honor outside, outside company headquarters in San Francisco, uh, what would you like to say on the base plate? Uh, yeah, well, they won't do that. But if ever they did, what would they say? Um, he, he built a great team and they continue to succeed. I like that. That's, that's the legacy. Because that's it. I mean, we're just individuals, right? So it's a, how do you make sure that everything can continue? And if they can improve a bit, then great. But they, they, you shouldn't be. The boss of Arista, uh, Owen Killian, had said, the best thing you can do is work to the point that you make yourself redundant. And there's a bit of sense in that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's, there's actually a lot of sense in that. It's the, it's the only way to guarantee that yep. you stay productive, active, and alive is to make yourself a 100% agree. Yep. Comic Waters, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been an absolute delight and pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you soon, sir.